Hello and welcome to Lady Time, a podcast for those of us traveling through midlife and beyond. I'm your host, Jill McGregor, and my guest today is Debbie Wright. Debbie is an outdoor arts theatre practitioner working in all areas of performance and production. She has worked in the UK, in Spain and in Ireland and has worked very closely with a street theatre company called Mockness based in the west of Ireland since 2002. She has a degree in community theatre arts, a higher diploma in arts administration and an MA in festive arts. In 2017, she founded Churis Theatre Collective, who devise and tour small scale street theatre. Their show Remnants is a moving and powerful meditation on displacement and is a response to the performers experiences of working in refugee camps with the organization Clowns Without Borders. You're very welcome, Debbie. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Jill. Lovely to be here. Oh, yeah. You've uh, had quite a, a colourful and varied life. Um, you were telling me earlier you're from Devon. What brought you from Devon to Ireland? I know you've been uh, to Spain and back uh, as well, but similar countryside to the west of Ireland. Yes. Um, so I came to go away in 1991. Um, a friend of mine who I played music with and we used to sing together at the time had come to Ireland and um, I came over to visit her and uh, that was it yeah fell in love with the place and have pretty much been here ever since I have gone back to the UK to work for a bit and Spain a little bit so and, and also gone traveling but always have gravitated back to Galway I think it's the pull of the Atlantic kind of <laughs> Yes, and it is. And, you know, even though I'm from Donegal, which is further uh, northwest in Ireland, I uh, once I came to Galway, I, once I set foot here, I, I just wanted to stay. So there is a pull here. All right. It's interesting. So I know. Uh, yeah. So you've had a, you've had most of your life here now at this stage, I, I guess. I have. Yeah, I've lived here longer than I lived in the UK anyway. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very at home here now. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yeah. What, what? You're not a blow-in anymore, as they keep saying to us when we come to go away. You're blow-in, but you're definitely not now. Um, <laughs> so, Debbie, let's like just uh, get right in there. Uh, what was foremost in your mind when you first approached midlife? Um, I suppose it was the sort of fear, really, of getting old. Um, and what all that brings with it um, and I mean it's a shame that we fear midlife and aging really isn't it instead of embracing it you know welcoming it as maybe some more sort of tribal cultures might do you know that they'd actually look forward to it um, which I, I think is the sort of the aim for me now with menopause and all the things that are happening is um, to you know I've sort of changed my thinking around it really that would have been before I started to develop symptoms and my body started to change um, I didn't want to you know I didn't want my body to age really because of the work I do which is very physical so I do a lot of dance a lot of movement um, a lot of performance and often that work involves sort of late nights and quite full-on periods of intense physical work and so, yeah, I think that's what I was afraid of. 
Yeah, that's interesting, especially when you work in your work in the theatre and uh, and you don't only just have to perform. Sometimes you have to help build the sets, put them together, load and offload all, all, all of those things because uh, you worked in Mockness, we were saying earlier, and uh, many years ago, only for about two or three years, I'd worked there too. And I found I was young then. That work was very, very physical. Um, what kind of symptoms did you have and how did your body change? Yeah, so um, I suppose I'm, I'm postmenopausal now. So I've been postmenopausal for nearly two years. Um, but in the perimenopause, as they call it, um, I began to have the first thing I noticed was my sleeping patterns changed. Uh, that was the first thing. And um, I'd never had that before. I'd always been a fantastic sleeper. I was known for it. It was like, you know, I could sleep anywhere and I could sleep for very long lengths of time to, I think, to restore my body from the type of work that, that I did, you know. And then what began to happen was that, that, you know, that was no longer happening. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. Um, and I found that very difficult to cope with the tiredness that I would feel. Um, so that was the first thing. And then I also had um, the hot flushes as well, which would range from mild to very intense and very frequent, depending on what was happening in my life. Um, night sweats uh, that would have been more around the time that my periods actually stopped that I that developed so that was a bit of a later later thing um, what else did I have um, yeah I, I also um, and I think in the last sort of two years have suffered a little bit with joint aches and pains as well yeah yeah and uh, then how did you manage that? Uh, did you get your sleep pattern back again? Or how did you manage that and work at the same time? Yeah, well, for a long time, I didn't really. Um, and I think what happened is, what happens initially is that the symptoms are quite scary. Um, and also, you, I then developed this sort of fear that I wouldn't be able to sleep. And that I had so much to do the next day. Um, and so it was almost like the fear of the symptom would bring on the symptom. Um, so, you know, that happened for quite a while until I was like, well, I have to do something about this. So I began to read quite a lot or as much as I could find, you know, um, on the Internet, which I have to say isn't great. You have to really delve mm -hmm. to get anything of any substance, I think. Um, yeah, so I, I, I sort of found this approach like a mind-body approach, so which was all really about listening to the body and not reacting to it. And so listening to what it was telling you and trying to sort of accept the transition and allow those, those symptoms and not fear them. Um, and in that way, I think that's helped me tremendously. Mm. So, yeah, that's very interesting. That's 
maybe the first time I've heard that because really I suppose there's that thing of what you resist persists in a sense you mm. know, if you're like fearful of it it's a bit like oh yeah you know having to get up at six o'clock the next morning the fear of sleeping in so you can't sleep as a result no matter how early you go to bed but that that is interesting um how long did that go on for the sleeplessness uh, or are they waking up regularly? Um, yeah, it's been really in the last sort of six years, I think since kind of perimenopause probably started um, and it would be on and off and it would very much depend on what was happening in my life at the time, which is another thing I've learned is that this is what menopause has done for me. It sort of opened, um, it's, opened up my my mind to be able to look at my body and listen to it you know and um let it sort of tell you what's happening like it's not natural to have insomnia you know it's not and it's not right and so it I, I was a bit like god it can't just be that the hormones are fluctuating surely because you know our thoughts govern so much of um how we behave and how our our body responds to our thoughts you know like if you sit on a chair and it's all hard and uncomfortable you know that's your body responding mm. it, it has to you know so um yeah and I think it just took me a while to you know to to really find the information and then start to sort of process that information and apply it to myself and um yeah I found it, it really helps to try and dispel the fear around all of those symptoms that's been the biggest thing for me you know in being I, able to deal with it yeah yeah and what what was the information you got that helped you the most was it uh was it through books or was it the internet or did you get podcasts or, or hear things? Yeah, like it was uh, mostly the internet. I didn't really get any books, to be honest, but you can sort of read bits of books and stuff, or, you know, from the internet. It was sort of articles. Um, and I also listened to podcasts as well. Um, I think the podcast that really was quite inspirational and influential was I think it's called The Wiser Woman. Mm -hmm. I can sort of send you the link after, Jill. Maybe I can look it up and send it to you. Um, yeah, and um, also I've been sort of learning quite a lot about a mind-body approach anyway to um, physical illness and dis-ease, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and I would also be a really big user of homeopathy. Mm -hmm. And homeopathy would come from that sort of school of thought it uses it slightly differently but um yeah and I found the homeopathy very very great you know during the whole menopause as well for that's just helping to alleviate symptoms yeah yeah that's amazing because I went to my homeopath a good bit during it I just you know because I like that I got sleeplessness and the the hot sweats not too heavy the hot sweats 
But the sleeplessness, I had read two books. Uh, it was Dr. Christian Northrup and Dr. Marilyn Glenfell. They were my go-tos uh, during the time. And with the sleeplessness, what I, I managed to overcome it in the space of about three months, because like you, I could sleep for Ireland. I would just sleep like a log through everything and anything. And thankfully back to that. Uh, but I took magnesium. That's what I took at the time. But the homeopathy is uh, great. Did you uh, use it yourself or did you go to homeopath or was it a mix of both? Uh, kind of a mix of both. Like I, I'm very interested in it anyway. So I read a lot about it. Um, but I would have my homeopath as well that, yeah. Um, would prescribe for me and sort of constitutionally I suppose and then you know address certain symptoms or things that were more prevalent at the time. Yeah. And would you mind for some of our listeners that uh, don't know very much about homeopathy uh, I'm not going to uh, put you on a spot and ask you how it works or you can if you want but like when 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 you, uh, when you were um like say getting a remedy for some, would you just talk us through a little bit about some of the, maybe one thing that changed for you by taking homeopathy and how it, ha how it happened? I mean, I know it's quite subtle the way homeopathy works, but just like even touch on it if you can. Yeah, so um, the first remedy that I took um, when it was more for the, the hot flushes, that had become quite intense. And I found as well that um, just before a hot flush, sometimes it would feel like I was going to have a panic attack. Now, I've never actually had a panic attack, a full blown one anyway. But that for me, that was the feeling that it was. Um, and um, it was really quite scary, you know, but then once the flush came, it would sort of release that. So it was like this sort of release mechanism. Um, and I'm okay with that if I'm sort of at home and I'm chilled and everything, but if I'm trying to work in an environment, then that's very uncomfortable, you know? Um, and it was happening quite frequently. So that was um, one of the reasons why I thought I, I think I would like to have a remedy because just to help with that. And yeah, I took a remedy. Now the remedies will be different obviously for each person because it depends on your symptoms and on your personality, your character type, um, your history really you, you you know you need to get a uh, you need to visit a homeopath a professional homeopath to to um, to begin with anyway before doing any sort of self-learning or self-prescribing um, yeah so I was given a remedy and literally four days later the hot flushes stopped and I didn't have a hot flush for six months wow yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. And that's a good homeopath as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she knows me well, obviously. So that, you know. Yeah. And then I, I would then sort of repeat that remedy um, when they began to come back. And then then I noticed the remedy changed um, as I've sort of moved through the different symptoms and other things have become more prevalent, you know. That's great. And uh, yeah. how, how did, did you overcome your sleeplessness? Are you back to are you back to sleeping like a log again? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good now, particularly with the lockdown, because there's no sort of stress in my life. <laughs> 
Of course. I, yeah. yeah. And I work in the art. So um, mm. there hasn't been any work uh, which has been, you know, um, very depressing on the one hand, but it's also given me a lot of time to work other things out and, uh, you know, enjoy other things as well mm-hmm. and try and make the, uh, try and make the most of the time really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, no, I do find that that stress is also a big player. So, and I, that's what I mean about the menopause, I think opens you up much more to that. You're, it's like you're much more vulnerable to environmental influences and emotional influences um, and I think that that's a big teaching of the menopause is that it allows us to look at ourselves and our lives, what's going on in our lives, what kind of jobs we have, you know, what kind of stress they're putting on, putting on us, our relationships, family stuff, everything, you know, I think, it, um, so in that way, I think it's, um, can be a positive thing as well. Because stress, I mean, we need a certain amount of stress for life to continue on, but then it can go into the overstress area as well. And particularly, yeah. like you said, in your job, in your work, um, you could you could end up working for like 18, 20 hours just to get something set up coming up to a show or whatever. And then, as you say, it's very, very physically demanding. And really, uh, uh, sometimes what happens going through menopause, I have heard and I've found and I've read and, re- you know, like yourself, done some research is that um, the the hormones, sometimes the underlying issue with the menopause being more difficult is the stress levels that you've been under that's actually knocking the hormones out um, that then in turn make the menopause more difficult because the menopause is just a, a, a change and another stage in the life of the body basically do you know um, so that that is very interesting so and it's also interesting that because you've had those few months of of rest what what is what you've noticed changing your body what have you noticed and what have you you kind of garnered in those few months uh that have just gone by um yeah i i think it's really been for me such a sort of time of contemplation and being able to have that time where you're not running around to really focus on yourself and it's a uh, you know, it's quite surprising because we spend most of our lives distracting ourselves from ourselves. That's how, uh, you know, that's what I've learned in this time. Oh my God, you know, this is, this is time for me to be able to sort of restore really. Um, and look at what I was doing, what work I was doing, why I was doing it and how I was doing it. And, um, yeah, have, have, learned now to really try and relax the body like I felt I realized I carry a lot of tension in my body just in my daily life the way I walk uh, the way I even do the washing up I do everything in a kind of hurry and sort of quite quickly and quite uptight even you can hear that in my voice you know when I'm talking so I'm trying to learn to slow that down to just relax there's time for everything <laughs> and um, feel calmer in in my body you know so letting my mind tell my body that everything's okay and 
to, to you know to relax and, and enjoy everything instead of hurriedly moving through everything that's yeah like a speedy gonzalez but i would say yeah. about your voice debbie your voice doesn't sound like that to me you've got a very calming voice actually to me so uh you oh know. Well, that's good maybe the yeah the meditation and uh yeah i've been doing the meditation i'm also journaling so i i'm writing a lot which is um brilliant as well um and i think it's given me the space to do that to do yoga you know like it, it's quite a privilege really yeah yeah i know there's there's a lot to be said as well from for the way our world has changed so dramatically but you know i'm very interested now you just said you're journaling because at this stage in life um i think i find this myself anyway that um i don't know about you but i kind of looked back it's a way of looking back over your life so i'm interested in your journaling and and uh, just the time you've taken, you've had, like been able to take out on things. How has your journaling uh, kind of informed the way you are now, and possibly even your work? Because I mean, I'm presumed that you're you're always thinking about projects to work on and devising and writing projects as well. So, um, have you found just midlife brought more of that to the fore? Obviously, you've had a lot of life experience behind you and uh, a lot of life experience ahead as well. So kind of looking back and then looking to the future. Have you found that and has your journaling, has that come through in your journaling if you have? Yeah, so what I've been doing, the journaling uh, mainly on uh, sort of more personal stuff, really. And so it's sort of like a clearing of, of stuff. Um, so in the morning, I just try and write and it might be about it's a little bit like you've probably heard of the artist way. Mm -hmm. So where they do the morning papers. So it's a kind of similar thing to that. But I, I also have bullet points of specific things that I've been writing about as well um, that might have an effect on um, on my body and on, you know, sort of things that I'm going through at the minute. So it's like um mind body medicine I don't know if you've come across that or the mind body connection it's like um, uh, a whole new thought process around healing um, chronic pain through um, through listening to your uh, thought process and yeah looking at your life and through journaling uh, bringing up sort of emotional stuff and maybe even trauma stuff um, and allowing it to sort of come out. And in so it's sort of releasing it from your body, if you like, like we all hold stuff all in our body. Um, so I've I've been I, I sort of was doing it initially because of that. But now I've also found uh, that I'm just writing about other things as well. Just anything that comes into my head, which is lovely. That's amazing. I never heard of that either. And you might uh, send me the link to that because when I put up, um, when you, I'll put it beside your um, your description uh, in the episode as well. Do you know? Because it may be it may be of benefit or of interest to some of our listeners. That's amazing. Um, this you've you've been having like such a, a deep time. You could say in the last. I few know. Months. It's really I know. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean, it's like actually having the time to do that because before mm -hmm. I'd be, um, I'd feel so busy with going, you know, being freelance or, 
uh, often in one place, then in another, then also doing my own stuff with my own company, um, always sort of trying to be upskilling and new training. And it just felt like, whoa, you know, when you actually stop, you, you actually can delve into these things. Um, and I, I do feel that the menopause sort of led me to that because it felt like it opened up something in me that I that I was sort of avoiding in a way I think so and it's lovely you know it's lovely uh, one of the things um, in the mind body approach is to you know look at your symptoms with curiosity rather than with um, fear you know so it's like oh, there's, a, there's a, this hot heat rushing up through me and be kind of curious about it, which I love. I think that's a lovely thing or, you know. That is incredible, Debbie. That's just Isn't giving it? a shiver. Yeah. You know, when you hear something, yeah. that when I hear something that is just so truthful, uh, not, that's probably not the right word, but just something that is something to look into. I just got a shiver when you said that, you know, I'm very uh, curious. Curiosity is the thing that leads us to to find out more things about things. So that's really interesting. Mm. You get your hot flush and instead of going, oh, my God, I can't bear it. I'm getting this out. You say, oh, what's, yeah, what's happened? What's yeah. making it happen? Where's it coming from? Why does it happen? Uh, you know, where's it going? And what happens when it dies down again? So that's interesting. Can you tell us a yeah. bit more about that? Uh, that uh, well, mind? What did you call it, it again? It, mind body meditation? No, my, well, it's got various names. It's kind of mind body medicine mind-body connection it's um you know just looking at the body from a sort of emotional place I suppose that we all ho hold you know emotions in the body and um so it's sort of giving you kind of different methods to be able to um to deal with those you know and it's often for people that suffer from chronic pain like um you know arthritis um migraines uh, fibromyalgia, um, you know, autoimmune illnesses. Yeah, so quite sort of, you know, deep stuff. And often these people have suffered for like 10 years or more and they've had loads of tests, all the x-rays, all the MRIs. No one can find anything. And so they think they're going a bit mad, you know, because there doesn't seem to be. What it is is that... Um, you know, throughout our life and through different emotional experiences and trauma, that um, instead of being able to deal with the emotions, we that emotion goes into our sort of neural pathways in the body. So it really is about the nervous system um, creating, uh, you know, pain. And it is actual real physical pain, even though an X-ray doesn't say, oh, there's swelling. It's actually... Um, you know, you, you are actually suffering from pain. And then this approach looks at trying to relax the nervous system and sort of, you know, through that, try to then relieve the sort of symptoms, physical symptoms. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
even as you say that, uh, Debbie, I said if she chose a different career, you could maybe do something like that, even just the way it comes across from you. But that is very, very interesting and definitely send me on that link um, and I'll put it up there as well. Um, that's it's, it's amazing. And earlier on, let me remember, you mentioned something when you said you were uh, initially fearful of aging because of your body. Um, where have you come to in your whole mindset of uh, moving in? You know, as you said, you're postmenopause now. Where what, what do you think is the next stage of life. I see it as an initiation, actually, the menopause. And I have a sense that maybe you think along those lines as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like now that I've sort of gotten over that and learned so many other things around it, I, I actually now I'm finding it really empowering, um, you know, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've been, you know, sort of walking a lot. I'm going horse riding which I absolutely love and I'm so I'm not allowing my body to sort of you know to slow down of course I'm meditating and doing yoga which is the sort of more restorative side of the body practice but um I'm also feeling like yeah this isn't you know I'm I'm, this isn't going to affect me this isn't going to slow me down this isn't gonna um it's going to impact me but now it's in a positive way yeah yeah that's uh, that's really great. Um, you know, while we're on this, and this may link into it, what have you found to be your your greatest challenge in life so far? Um, I would say being a mother. <laughs> that, that's being a mother. I'm not a mother, as everyone knows, but uh, I know that it's very challenging through all of my friends, like and amazing at the same time. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think, I think it's more challenging because of the society and the system that we live in now. That means, um, you know, like I was um, became a single parent, and I was trying to work and trying to work in the arts, which we know doesn't have very regular hours, you know, and be a mother. So I think the combination of those three things, I think the actual, um, you know, mothering is challenging. It's a huge responsibility and, you know, we're not taught how to do that. It's like people think it's, you know, instinctual and it is for many, many women. Uh, And for others, it it actually isn't. And it's, you know, you don't really know how, how to manage this tiny little fragile human, you know. Um, so, yeah, that that takes a lot of learning. And I think if you, I think if we lived in a more um, conducive sort of society to that, that gave you time to be able to be a mother and work, um, it, it would it would help but I think a lot of women are, are running around and um, trying to do everything mm-hmm. and it's no wonder when we come to menopause the body actually goes uh-uh <laughs> yeah. that's, that's it you know yeah you're done in like you're yeah. you're done in you know that's true you know mm. and as you know I work in, in film as well and uh, I remember there was uh a, a discussion on uh, women in uh, how 
how they could uh, arrange and it would apply to any of the arts exactly how it could be uh, arranged that women can uh, also find a, a way uh, just ju just to arrange it that the hours suit being a, a, a parent basically do you know because it's always like oh film you've got your 10 12 hours and you got to do that no matter what but there was a whole discussion around how can the hours and everything just be sort of changed around a bit so that it can accommodate being a parent, whether you're a, a mother or a father, because I suppose mostly it's the mother at home, but it's not always the case. But just how you could accommodate that. It's it's a long way off, I think. But, you know, it's a discussion that's starting to come up more and more and more as more more women are working, say, in in film as directors and producers, but in theatre, it's exactly the same thing, if not yeah. longer hours, even, you know, longer hours and shorter, very intense hours. Um, but, uh, you know, is there an, an achievement that you're particularly proud of? I think this links in again to what you were just saying. Um. Well, of of actually of actually coming through it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, coming out the other side and being uh, and having now a, a lovely friendship with my daughter and um, yeah, you know, which is lovely. And now we share um, different things in life in a different way, you know, uh, uh, not just in a not in a mother and daughter way, but in a a friend way as well, which is lovely. You know, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's in her early twenties now. Does yeah. she does she live uh, near you, or is she away working somewhere? Yeah, different? no, no, she's around. So yeah, yeah. she was she, she was she was in Cork at college, but um, yeah, she's. Yeah. Does she's she follow you now. into the arts? She um, was at college doing photography. So okay, <laughs> oh lovely. Yeah. So you yeah. share a lot on that level as well. Yeah, oh, that's lovely. Um, Debbie, what are your hopes and dreams for your life in the future? Um, I suppose to just, um, you know, continue living um, and, and doing sort of creative ventures, um, uh, traveling. Um, yeah, but really trying to sort of live as holistically and creatively as I can is um yeah um, and you know be, be healthy and um happy um yeah we're in that yeah and uh you you have your company as well tourist theater company as well with uh, that you've you set up was it three years ago you set that up yeah, so in 2017, yeah, I, I got a, um, a grant from the Arts Council, um, which was fantastic, and um, created a show after um, I'd been to Lebanon with Clans Without Borders, the uh, charity organisation, and um, uh, four of us went from Galway. We went to Lebanon and we performed in refugee camps for Syrian and Palestinian refugees mainly. And we were there for three weeks based in Beirut and we traveled around um, the whole country and we did maybe about two shows a day, roughly. 
uh, in different refugee camps. It was absolutely amazing. And when I came back, myself and Helen Gregg, who she was one of the performers I went with, we felt um, very strongly that we wanted to create a show around that experience. And so we got together with um, Jonathan Gunning, a clown who also has uh, had extensive experience with Clowns Without Borders. He's travelled a lot in the world to different countries, uh, performing, and Orla Duodra, who's um, a musician. And yeah, together we devised and created this show called Remnants that we have since toured um, in Ireland, the UK. Uh, we were in Slovenia as well. We won an award at a festival in Ljubljana. Oh, wow. um, yeah, for the show, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, and hope that, you know, we'll be touring it again next year as well, hopefully. Yeah. And creating a new piece of work as well. So have you started writing your new piece i've just begun initial ideas on it i just received again a bursary from the arts council so um absolutely delighted with that so i can begin work now on um yeah new ideas for that so there's lots of stuff bubbling you know oh that's yeah. wonderful. that's wonderful yeah and uh, how can f- uh, people find a uh, what's your website because I saw so, the little piece on your website of that project of uh, remnants that you were just talking about. Uh, yeah. Amazing. I didn't see it live, uh, but I'd like to see it live when you're doing it again. But uh, how can people find you? Yeah. So it's www.touristtheatre.com. Okay. And um, yeah, on there, it's got all the sort of info about that show. And I always put up, where we're going to be performing but obviously (laughs) we have some uh, we have some bookings for next year but i I, we're just going to see how it how it all goes you know is it indoor or outdoor or both it's outdoor Um, oh yes yeah street theater yeah yeah i've always worked outdoors really jill i Mm -hmm. i I haven't done that much theater indoors outdoor is sort of my thing i love it i love the accessibility and I love the way that people from all walks of life can see things that, you know, people that wouldn't normally go to the theatre. Um, yeah. And I, I also love that you can stop and watch it. And if you don't like it, you can walk away. And I think that's great, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not for everyone. And that's that's fine. So, yeah. Yeah. OK. Well, um, Debbie, it was really lovely to hear all of your story and all of the amazing uh, information that you have even passed on to our listeners about your experience of going through menopause. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I hope it'll be of benefit to a number of our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Jill. I think it's I think that's the important thing that we all talk about stuff and that there's a platform for sharing it like uh, your this wonderful podcast. It's really um, because that's what that's what it's all about. You know, connecting connection. It is. And Lord (laughs) knows we need to connect a lot more at the moment. But it it really is about uh, connecting and just sharing our stories. I mean, that's what we are as humans. That is a part of being human is sharing and sharing stories and sharing everything that goes on. Exactly. The whole gamut, you know. And so thank you for yours. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 
thank you thank you for listening to lady time today i hope you enjoyed it and if you did please share it with your friends and on your social media platforms you can also follow us on facebook at lady time podcast this is jill mcgregor signing out from lady time until the next episode coming soon